Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you weekly by Woody Overton, Jim Rathman, and executive producer Toby Tomplay. Yeah, the right to remain silent. sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. Jim and I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show. The facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And my co-host, Jim the Hitman Raffman, actually had surgery yesterday, y'all. So he won't be in the studio with me today, um, but he's doing well and he's recovering. And Hitman will be back next week. Y'all, real quick, before we begin today's episode... Alexandria, Louisiana, April 17th, Real Life, Real Crime. Jim and I will be doing a never-before-heard podcast at the Alexandria Convention Hall, and we'll be followed by the Chase Tyler Band. It's going to be a hell of a party. Get your tickets now, $35 a piece. It's going to be awesome. And on April the 18th, same deal. The First Defense Tour continues, and I'll, I'll be at... 10 Lizzie's on the Tickfall River in Killian, Louisiana. And we'll be serving a pastalaya and Chase Tyler Band's going to play. It's going to be awesome. Get your tickets. They are going fast. They're going to sell out. That being said, we're going to get into today's episode. We're continuing what happened to Barbara Blunt series. And today, what I really want to do is paint the day that Barbara Blunt went missing. So... Talking about Barbara Blunt, she was married. She met her husband, and they married approximately, were married for over 30 years. Uh, they bought that property up off of Highway 1036 in the middle of nowhere, two miles from the St. Helena Parish line, very, very rural. They raised cows. They had no neighbors that could be seen. Um, it's She has a long driveway. It's a beautifully maintained home, et cetera. But tragically, in 2004, I believe it was in October, her husband drove a 
tanker truck, uh, uh, a fuel truck, and he was crossing the railroad tracks, I believe in St. Bernard Parish, and a train hit him, and it was a um, the fuel tanker exploded on the impact, and it was, it's just a tragedy. So she loses her husband. What does she do? She made the focus of her whole life two things, her children and her faith. Now, her kids, and I've interviewed both of them, that uh, they tell her that she absolutely did everything for them, even when they were adults. I mean, she just, every day she took care of them first before herself. Then other than that, if she was all about church on Wednesday, and I think twice on Sunday, she would go. Every morning when she got up, she prayed, and every night before she went to bed, she prayed. During the meantime, during the, in the mornings, her children would come over every day. They're not children anymore. They're grown adults, but they both live on the property. Uh, um, she would cook them breakfast and before sending them off to work. And her greatest wish in life was always to have grandchildren and help raise them. She really, really wanted grandkids. And as the years passed by, she continued to live this life. But on May the 2nd, 2008, everything changed forever. So on May the 2nd, 2008, the son who lived in a trailer on the property did not come over to eat breakfast like he normally did in the morning time because he was starting a new trucking job and he was actually doing his field training. So he left the property at 2 a.m. in the morning and was picked up uh, well, when met his co-workers and he was riding along with that guy all day training. But he told me when I interviewed him, he said the night before, on May the 1st, when, when the, the last time, what ended up being the last time he saw his mama, they were outside and one of the cows got its head stuck in a hay feeder, which is like, it's this round bar thing, y'all. They put a hay bale inside so the cows can't eat it all at once and kick it around, so they have to eat three. But a cow got its head stuck in it, and Miss Barbara was fussing, but kind of laughing, fussing about it. And he said he got this strange feeling that just came over him and and, and stuck in his head. And sticks in, he said, he said, Woody, I can feel it right now. It sticks to my head to this day. Something told me that I was going to remember that moment for the rest of my life. He said, I didn't know why at the time. So, back to May the 2nd. The sun's gone to work, left early in the morning. Around 10 a.m., Miss Barbara's daughter, now they're, they're grown-ups now, y'all, but Miss Barbara's daughter comes over like she does every day before she goes to work, and she drops off her dog for Miss Barbara to take care of. Um, then Miss Barbara would feed her breakfast, Always, 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 you're not getting out of the house without a full belly. The mama's taking care of you. So Miss Barbara feeds her breakfast, and Miss Barbara tells her daughter, hey, I'm going to be cleaning out my pots and pans, my cabinets today. I'm going to be home all day. And the daughter gets up to leave for work and tells her bye and that she loves her. And Miss Barbara's starting to clean. Little did Christy know that this was the last time she would ever see her mother. On a typical day in May, y'all, 
the sun could be out shining without a cloud in the sky. But as we all know in South Louisiana, the weather can change on a dime. And this morning was a fine example of that. It went from being a crystal clear, cloudless sky to off in the distance, dark, ominous clouds begin to roll in. And when that happens, the temperature begins to drop a little bit as the wind picks up and it cools off. Then sometime around lunch, the weather begins to change. At some point, Barbara Blunt apparently runs out of her house and gets in her vehicle and hurriedly leaves the property. How do we know this? She left behind her glasses and her cell phone. Now, interviewing the family members, including the children, they all said one thing. Barbara Blunt never went anywhere without her glasses or her cell phone, but especially her glasses. Now, the even if she went out in the yard to work in a flower bed, she never went without her cell phone or her glasses. On this day, she runs out. I'm saying she runs out and gets in her car. She's in such a hurry that she drops the house phone in the garage just outside of the door. And we know it's dropped because you can see it hit the ground with such an impact that it knocked the battery out of the back. Both the son and the daughter said there is absolutely nothing that could get her out of the house that fast without her glasses and her cell phone and where she would drop a house phone like that unless someone came up there that she knew and told her that either they had one of her kids or one of her kids had been in an accident and she needed to come. Now, we're going to go, I'm going to go into a little bit of detail on the things that have not been released to y'all yet. The and Going through the case file, um, we discovered a report that was taken way back, right out, within days of Miss Barbara going missing. And in this report, two witnesses were driving down Highway 1036 at around noon on May the 2nd. And the driver, who did not know Miss Barbara Blunt, never met her before in his life, looks over. The male driver stated that he looked over and he saw a vehicle fitting Miss Barbara Blunt's vehicle's description pulled in onto the Hun Club Road, which is just past Barbara Blunt's driveway, maybe a couple hundred yards on the left if you're headed northbound. He sees Barbara Blunt's vehicle pulled in and there is a vehicle maybe parked behind Miss Barbara's car. Now, this these witnesses go 
into so much detail what they saw, and I'll explain to you why in a second. He said he looked over, and he saw this lady, and described her, described her height, her weight, the shirt she was wearing, even down to the pinstripe shorts she had on. But he said he was adamant that she did not have glasses. But he stated that she was standing at the driver's side door of the vehicle that was parked behind her her car, the truck that was parked behind her car, and she was talking to a male subject. They were able to give a detailed description of the male subject. And what, what really stands out is he said he looked and he made eye contact with the female who he later identified as Miss Barbara Blunt, but he made eye contact with her, and he said when he made eye contact with her, he just gave him this feeling in his stomach, like something was wrong, but she didn't wave like she was in distress or anything. He just got this just sickness feeling in his stomach, and to the point where when he passed, he called the, the person whose residence he had just left and said, you know what, I just saw a this lady on the side of the road pulled in on one of these hunting club roads and there was a, a guy parked behind her and she was talking to him through the driver's side door and she, she made eye contact with me. It just made my stomach, it just made me feel funny. But the, the, when he made that phone call, y'all, now the, the, he had a passenger in the vehicle that confirms the whole thing. Uh, so there's two witnesses that see this. When he made that phone call to the residence he had just left from, he didn't, he didn't know who Barbara Blunt was. But Barbara Blunt had not been reported missing, obviously. But he called, and this has been verified by the person he called, said, yeah, he did call and said, hey, there was a lady up here. I just felt like maybe she was in distress, but she didn't flag me down or anything. It just struck him so much that he called that person and said, man, you know, and described exactly what he saw. These, this couple is going out of state. And they're out of state when Miss Barbara Blunt goes missing, so they don't know about it. But as soon as they hear about it and they see her picture, he's like, oh, my God. And, and he told the passenger that was with me, he said, oh, my God, that's the lady that was on the side of the road. Well, guess what, y'all? The car that he described was Miss Barbara's car. And she was facing down that hunting club road. Uh, um, y'all, and then we say Hunt Club Road, it's not really a road. Back then, it was more of a, a gray, not even a gravel, it's just a gray dust road, which hunters used to access the property, right? Um, so, but it's, it's right off the main highway. So they saw it. They saw Miss Barbara. But why, why wasn't followed up on? I don't know. I mean, they, they got a million things going on in the case. The, uh, but I think one of the main reasons is, is they were adamant that the female did not have glasses on. From day one, when investigators got this case, they, everyone said there's no way she would leave the house. She wouldn't even go outside to pet her dog without her glasses on and her cell phone. So, but, so detectives are thinking, I mean, I guess whoever took the call is thinking, well, you know, they, they, they asked her, did she have glasses on? No. Are you sure? I'm absolutely positive she didn't have glasses on. So, and there, and, you know, I remember during this time when they actually call it in, this is when the search is going on for Miss Barbara. Everybody's in the woods because it took a couple of days for the water to go down. So, I mean, it all falls in, and I get it. 
uh, uh, certainly it's, it doesn't, I mean, it's, they did everything they could in this case, but we just happened to come across this piece. Uh, and so there you have it. And although the witnesses only reported seeing one person with Miss Barbara, it's certainly possible that other people were involved. But later that day, maybe an hour or two later, I think um, around 3 o'clock, a guy was driving down uh, 1036 southbound, and he happened to look down the Hun Club Road and just caught his eye. It stood off that there was a car down in the bushes off of the Hun Club Road. Now, you see, y'all, Highway 1036 is raised up because it floods a lot down there, et cetera. So but that Hun Club Road is, goes down, and even off the Hun Club Road, it's a steep slant on each side. But this guy happens to see the car off in the bushes, and he stops. He's thinking it's been a wreck. And he stops, and he, and he goes up to the car, no one's in, and he's walking back towards the road, and he looks down on that gray, dusty hunting club road, and he sees car keys. He calls his mama, and he says, Hey, Mama, I'm down here. There's a car off in the bushes. It's up in this fence. I thought it was a wreck, and, and then there's car keys up here on the hunting club road. And his mama said, Hang up and call 911. And so he calls 911 and reports that there's a car off off in the ditches, off in the ditch, off of the Hun Club Road, and hold on one second. I'm sorry, I'm, it's Jim. Are right, y'all? Hey, hold on one second. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Hey, dude, how you doing, man? I, I'm, how you feeling? Um, I'm doing good. Just uh, had that surgery yesterday, so. I'm, but I figured, I'm doing pretty I good figured now. you'd, doing good you'd be laying up. I'm actually in the studio recording uh, this episode. I mean, but how, how's your pain? <laughs> uh, it isn't too bad. The nerve block ran off, so um, go to the the pain medication that they give me. So it makes me a little sleepy here and there, and mm-hmm. then it'll make you know. It, it is what it is. Hey, hey, you, the. Uh, well, I mean, I'm glad to hear you doing well. I know we talked yesterday, but figure today when that thing wore off, you're gonna be hurting, right? <laughs> right. Go ahead, Jim. Dude, last night, so I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep. So what I decided to do was read the case file until I fell asleep, which um, which actually I did because I actually woke up with the case file in my hand. Um, but I don't know, man. This is some real interesting stuff um, that I read about. Hey, let me ask you something, Jim. The I, I'm mm-hmm. just at the point. I know you know the the file. At the point where the guy sees her car off in the, uh, the ditch off the hunting club road, and he sees the keys, and he calls nine one one. The uh, right. do you feel like talking for a few minutes? Yeah, I, I can talk for All sure. Right. The, yeah. the the uh, um, how would you have handled the the I want to record with you. How how would you have handled it? The you got a nine one one call. Tell me what, what, what you would have done. According to the report, there was a man driving on Highway 1036 southbound. Right. I think that call came in right at about um, 3.05 p.m. right in through there. But as he was going down on that road on 1036, which there was like that monster rainstorm that was going on right. at that time. Um, and so everything was, was flooding pretty quickly. 
but he he had observed um, her car, like a silver car that was like in the bushes, kind of pressed up against the fence in between some trees. And so he drove over there on the hunting club road, um, went to go observe it, didn't see anybody in it, but he noticed the car keys that were uh, probably about 20 yards away or so. And he ended up calling his mom and his mom told him not to touch anything and to call 911. So and at this, what's strange about that is that there's, it's, you have two calls going at the same time because you have the now possible signal 20, which is a vehicle accident. So typically, you know, you get the signal 20 call, you're going to send unit, uh, like a deputy, like a, a uniform deputy to go check out the possible vehicle accident and do an investigation on that. At the same time that that was going on, you have Barbara Blunt's daughter, Christy. She arrives at the cousin's house. And the reason for that is because the cousin had already been out to her house. And since he's already been out to the he, house, he, he, and been out to, the door, he, he'd been out to Barbara's house. Right. Correct. He'd been out to Barbara's house. And, you know, the door was ajar. Um, and she wasn't there. Um, you know, observed some, like, pots on the floor. I think there was one window open, but there didn't look like was a whole lot going on there but had christy come over to, to his house um where they went ahead and called 911. so you now have a missing persons call going on at the same time the signal 20 call is going on which is the vehicle accident which so happens to be the missing person's vehicle right i, I so i think that uh jim that christy said when they called her and a cousin called to report, report her mama missing the blue and white actually drove by and they were like, right, they, that's they were like, hold on. Uh, uh, he passes by. And then that, and that's when they said, no, he's going to something else. Right. And they said, he's going to the, he's going to the, uh, car accident. Um, and so as a detective, when you come out to something like that, you kind of have two scenes going on. And so you have the missing person, you have a recovered vehicle of the missing person, you've got to put it on a tow truck. The problem with this was that you had so much rain going on. I mean, I think when the tow truck got there, like water was already inside the car on the floor. Yeah, I think it, um, it, it came up so fast that it literally, now remember that the car, y'all, y'all is, on, is on an angle that, that, even the hunting club road slopes down. And, and so it's on an angle like it literally got jammed into a fence and whatever, but it, it's on like a 30 degree angle. So the water comes up so fast uh, that it literally flooded up from the front of the car all the way up into the, in, into the, in, what you call it, the interior, right? Right, correct. So, you know, as a detective, you're going to start photographing what you can. Um, and the keys. You know, the, the keys being in the roadway is important because it's just odd. It's just totally out of place. So what, what, you want to photograph that. What do you think about that, Jim? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't think that the keys were purposely dropped there. I mean, to me, it's like if you're ditching a car and you're running and maybe you trip because you're going up that steep hill onto the roadway or something, you drop the keys. I don't know. What do you think? Either either you tripped or they fell out of your pocket. Right. Um, something. It's not like they were just tossed there in the middle of the road. I think if they were purposely tossed, it would have been off onto the side and you know into a ditch or the I, woods. I, or I wonder else. why you take the keys unless you're you're worried about DNA on them. 
What do you think? Right. That that's also a very good possibility. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, that's that's still a good question. It's a mystery right. which needs to be figured out. But um, and they just took the keys and you know just to not leave them in the vehicle itself. Like somebody was sitting in there last. Like maybe that vehicle was down there for a little while. Maybe they didn't even realize that the keys even fell out of their pocket. Right. Or when they were running away, right. um, or walking up because it is pretty steep, like you said. So it's possible that it came out. Right. Um, but you know, as a detective, there, you know, you're gonna want to, you're gonna process all that. So you gotta, gotta photograph everything, get that vehicle in the tow truck, and try to preserve everything you can. But you have to finish doing that in that downpour rain that was going on. It, Meanwhile, at at the house, you've got the residence now roped off because you've got to go now process the second scene. Right. So, hey, let me ask you this, Jim. The, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking and I'm kicking it in my mind, right? And I know you know, uh, you read the report and, and we discussed it in depth about the witnesses that saw the uh, newer model possibly. They described Barbara Blunt to the T, but she didn't have her glasses on, et cetera. Um, yeah. So, you know, you go to the house and then you have that roped off and just like you would a homicide scene, um, you got to approach this the same way because what pictures you take or if you have access to a video camera, you know, what you get of that crime scene might be the only time you have it in those original positions. So you have to photograph at every angle and the best that you can. So you're photographing the residence as you're coming up to it, what you're observing. Um, The door was ajar. Um, There were pots on the floor, Um, but the house was pretty darn clean because she kept a pretty clean house. Um, There was a window, if I'm not mistaken, that was in the bathroom that was partially open, uh, but mostly everything else was closed. There was no forced entry. Um, So, you know, you're taking your your photos, but there was that portable phone um, that had dropped out that actually had hit the ground, and I'm guessing it hit hard enough for the battery pack to pop out. Right, that's a big piece um, for me. It, I, I agree, that kind of sticks out because it just doesn't, I mean, who just drops their phone like that um, unless you're in some sort of hurry. We, we, the other part, what's we, that? To tie that in with that, Jim, is that the kids are adamant. There's no way in hell that somebody could have got Barbara Blunt to leave her house in such a hurry where she dropped that phone. Not only did she drop the phone, but she left her glasses and her cell phone. I'm telling you, Woody, something is fishy here. The, yeah, because the glasses and the cell phone were just on the inside of the door. Right. So she could have grabbed them um, on her way out, right. but she didn't. They were right there. So it would almost make you think that she left She left in a hurry. Um, I did. I totally agree, and this is the the point, and we've discussed, but this is the point that drives me. I've sat in that house I, uh, on two different occasions now. I walked through that door. The I saw where the where the phone fell and hit. Right. I mean, I sat in Miss Barbara's mm-hmm. chair, and I'm sitting there the whole time, thinking from the criminal mind, yeah, how in the hell do I get this lady out of her house? And, and again, backed up with the, the information from the kids saying, not you know she she had guns, you know as you know there's a pistol on the on the counter, uh, uh, and mm-hmm. one of the things she's no stranger to guns, 
Um, she's not going to go outside if a stranger pulls up and, and she's just not going to do it. You know, the, uh, the, how do you get her to run out in such a panic? And this, in my mind, she has to rush out. It has to be so dramatic or so that first of all, that she didn't take the time to call 911 to saying, Oh, right. there's, they got my kids or whatever, or there's been a wreck. She runs out. I mean, and, and her haste drops the house phone. Maybe somebody was pulling up, honking the horn, and she's got the house phone in case she needs to call. And then she recognizes them. They say, hey, whatever. And so she run, drops the phone in panic and jumps in her car and, and, and goes down the road. I don't get it, dude. That, uh, right. In, I don't know. But let me, I don't get it either. And I'm really glad you called today, David, because I, I really want to talk to you about this anyway. Let me ask you this. Do you think there could have been more than one person that lured her out of the house? Yes. So if we go with that theory and we're working on that angle, right? Now, it kind of messes me up because we know that right around the same time is when these witnesses saw her car pulled in on the hunting club road with the vehicle behind it. She's out of her vehicle talking to the male in the thing, and that, that driver that's passing by doesn't know her, but he, he looks and makes eye contact, and he's just got that feeling. And, you know, when I used to train all the young guys, I would tell them, if you ever get that feeling in your stomach or your hair stands up in the back of your neck, you better listen right. to it, Jack, because that's whatever deity you pray to trying to cut you a break, right? But he right he that. called that other lady whose residence he had just left and said, hey, this kind of freaked me out. But then it wasn't until days later. They went out of state. But uh, it was days later that they saw it on the news that Miss Barbara Blunt went missing. And when they saw her picture, they were like, shit, that's her. So right. I, I don't know. I, 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 I keep coming back to how do you get her out? How do you uh, how do you lure her from the residence? And are you luring her, saying that one of your kids has been in an accident way up the road, and and maybe she tries, but she can't call them the kids on the way because she doesn't have her cell phone. Right. And why does she stop 200 yards down the road and pull in on that hunting club road? And this this guy pulls in behind her. What do you think, dude? I, I, I agree with you. I mean, they, it had to be something so personable to her, so personal that it literally just, like you said, like with her kids, somebody came, hey, something happened to your daughter or your son right up the road, come right now. Right. And without even thinking about it, the shock and awe of being told that, drop the phone and just take off um, to go down there. Um, the, that that could be one way, it, but it had to be something. The, and that, you see, I'm gonna, I'm, this went from an episode about what happened on May 2nd to me and you getting to kick the can, and this is where we get some gotten some of our best ideas over the years to solve some mm -hmm. of the best cases. But here's the deal. You get her. I, and I was kind of thinking maybe like one of her cows got out. Somebody told her that or something. But you know what? That's 
that's not going to make her run out the door when her stuff's right there. Being such a panic that she drops that phone and jumps in a car without thinking, you know, and, and, and maybe maybe she checks up or maybe they said it, they were on, you know, the kid was in the ditch by the hunting club road and she pulls over like, where are they at, you know? Uh, and, and I don't know. Right. And, and, and it could be a second person. Maybe there was another person that was already staged up there, but they, they right. grab her and the other one drives the car off into the bushes <laughs> hoping it won't be seen and they haul ass. Now, listen, the, for the listeners out there, and then Jim, I know you know this road. This, when I say it's rural, y'all, I guarantee you, during the middle of the day, probably from the time the few people that live up there uh, go to work in the morning to the time they come home and even, I bet you there's not two cars that pass down that road all day, and it's a state highway. So maybe they, they plan the abduction like that, and these witnesses pass by, uh, uh, which is just so rare. That, that they freak and 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 drive the car down, slam it into into the bushes, and whoever's running out trips, drops the keys. And but here's here's a fact: she's not there, right? I mean, it's right. been searched and researched and whatever. And like I said on Christie's episode, the y'all, the woods. Every time I go in the woods, I feel like I'm alone. Maybe like I'm an old time frontier when I'm hunting, whatever. And, and then I'll stumble across somebody's beer can or some spent shell casings. The woods are up there, or I guarantee you, not only were they searched by dogs and helicopters, planes, and all these volunteers from across the United States, but all these hunting seasons and everything since, all people are always in those woods, and there's no trace of it, Jim. I mean, what does that tell you? Right. What does that tell you? It tells me that she's not in the woods. I mean, I, I, I just think, I, going back to what when we were, you know, just rapping away about this, I think whoever came to the house to get her out, she knew personally, which she believed whoever it was that told her something. She, she believed it enough to drop everything she was doing right there, have no care and concern for her cell phone, her glasses, drop that portable phone, and just went. Ran. And, I picture, I picture and, her running. Like, oh, my I God. I literally picture her running, too. Like, oh, my God, this is the worst. You know, and taking off to go that, to find out wherever it was that she was told where there may be a second person there that she does not exactly. know. And then at that point, you know, she's but in she's in a bind. The best there is no such thing as a perfect crime, people. No. That's why Jim and I always love to kick ideas like this. The uh so they that could have been a second person. I'm thinking the second person because if you're gonna abduct somebody, uh, uh, kill them and haul the body, I mean you're not gonna want to do it by yourself. If it, it unless you had to, I guess. But if you had the capability and the trust in the second person, but to say they say they say they're in a wreck up there about a hunting club road. So she hauls ass out of the driveway and, and screeches, goes to 200 yards and just pulls in on the hunting club road. She's looking. They're not there. And then, and then they're able to block her in. And But he, uh, here comes where the perfect crime gets messed up, right? These wit- right. witnesses, they, they know nobody's ever coming down that road, but these witnesses come down. And that guy looks and makes eye contact with Miss Barbara, and it made him feel sick to his stomach. 
Uh, so then maybe they get into a little bit of a panic mode and that's where the lifers need to help us because there is mm-hmm. no such thing as a perfect crime. Somebody knows something. I'll tell you something. Barbara Blunt isn't there, but she's somewhere. And what Jim, you know, we always talk about just like every drug person that's ever been arrested is because the drugs have to be moved from point A to B, right? Miss Barbara's Miss Barbara's body had to be moved from point A to wherever it's resting right now. Right. And I think with all the canine searching and all the, the searches that just took place from all the volunteers, um, you know, with all the years that have passed, like you said, with all the hunters that have gone in and out of there, I don't think she's in those woods. I don't think she's in that location. Absolutely. And that's where the lifers absolutely, absolutely can help us out um, because now that we've, you know, just gave what we're thinking, maybe that jogs their memory to something that they saw around that time frame that maybe fits that description of what that witness saw. That's right. Because um, this has so, not been released before, y'all, about these witnesses seeing them. So uh, um, you've heard it now. And, you know, your, your tips, your leads. I talk about it all the time, Jim, but I don't think they understand. Every time, I want you to explain it because I can't get it across. Every time mm-hmm. you share, it's not about us getting raided, y'all. On, on the Coco case, every time we would go and do a live like on Facebook or whatever, and ask people to share it, you could guarantee our phones would start ringing with tips. We need the same thing. Explain how it works, dude. Tell them. I mean, I, I don't, yeah. I don't get, know how to get the point across, and I feel very strongly about it because we want to solve this, and the way we're going to solve this damn thing is by the lifers stepping up. Oh, well, it's without a doubt. I mean, we need the lifers. Um, you know, every time we've asked for we've gone done the Facebook Lives, we've um, put out posts on Facebook or things like that, we end up do getting the tips. And a lot of times it's the smallest of tip that you may not thought was possible. The smallest of things helps us put that puzzle together. And, you know, from what we're saying throughout as you're following the case, you're following what it is that we're saying may jog your memory, but it's critically important because if you think you saw something, if you think you might know something, heard, just send it in. You can remain completely anonymous. Absolutely. But it helps us with this case. And, and you know, the more times you, the more you share it with your friends, with your family, and you get at that exposure, people move. It's been 12 years. So the person that might actually have a lot of this information may not even live in Louisiana anymore. Might be in Mississippi, could be in Texas, could be in Tennessee. You know, so getting that word out to them to jog their memory. And it doesn't have to be something you saw, y'all. A huge part of of the success of the Cocoa case is what people heard or felt even about somebody, how they were acting during that time. So, exactly. And the, um, again, Jim, like you said, y'all, let me say this Sheriff Jason R. is fired up about this case. He has a full squad of detectives. Jim, he has more detectives signed actually working Barbara Blunt's case than we, almost than we had in when you and I served in detectives. That he's he has that many assigned on right now and and and, and he's allocating 
resources like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he's working this himself. I got a message from him at like two o'clock in the morning the other night. Uh, I, I forwarded it to you, Jim, that he sent me. A, he's got the case file at two. This is the share. Got the case file at two o'clock in the morning, reading through things, and and we're comparing notes, etc. So they they're working it. And guess what? This is no longer a cold case, people. It's red hot. And we, we are not, Jim and I are not going to discuss motives just like we did on the Courtney Coco's case because we don't want to do anything to screw up this investigation. But I can tell you this, we are asking for your tips. We're asking for your help because we know it works. And guess, Jim, I mean, you could tell them that about tips that we, without going into details, tell them how many tips we got in already that are shit hot. I mean. Just, just the other day when I went on, and I did a two-minute, maybe a three-minute um, Facebook Live. I think it was like a week ago. We got 11 tips in within the first 30 minutes of that. Um, and every time we seem to go on, we get more and more tips, and we need those tips. Every bit of it helps, and it helps us paint a picture, and it helps us plot because we're going through the case files, and we're digging through, and the tips come in, and it's like we can start connecting dots. We can start putting this puzzle together. Um, so please keep sending me and in. Y'all, and, and the, the way we get the tips is when you share the episode. You share the episode. Right. You share it on Facebook. Share the link to the episode so people can hear about Miss Barbara Blunt. And all the tips that y'all, when you call it in, even though we're working hand-in-hand in law enforcement this time, your names will absolutely remain anonymous. Jim and I will carry them to the grave unless you yep. give us permission to. So that's huge. Uh, we don't have to follow the, all the guidelines that law enforcement has to follow. So we're, we're certainly working it every day uh, um, doing what we do. But I'm going to tell you this, Sheriff's Office is doing what they're doing also. And and, oh, yeah. and it's, uh, it's with y'all's help, we can do this. And we, we appreciate it. And we love each every one of you, Jim. I'm glad you called, dude. When you did, I, I, yeah, I was I, I was just trying to go through this day, uh, uh, so because the lifers have been asking right for more information, and and we actually we're going to do the brothers interview this week, but we're going to put it off uh, to next week because I think it's more important to get these base facts out there. So that being said, mm-hmm. um, that's it, y'all. I mean, just you're totally anonymous. It's a red hot case. Bad guys or, or girls, we're coming for you, baby. You better buckle it up. And Jim, you got, you got anything? No, um, we pretty much said it hey, all. Jim, Jim can you give story. can you give them the tip number, the hotline number? Do you have it? Yeah, it's area code two two five three nine five one three zero two. I'll say it again. It's two two five three nine five one three zero two. Or you can email me at jim at realliferealcrime.com. Or you can email Woody, woody at realliferealcrime.com. All right, y'all, lifers, let's bring this home. You have the power to do it. Share it. Give us the tips. Let's find out what happened to Miss Barbara Blunt. Stay tuned for the new Tom Place single. The song is called Love You Enough, which is dedicated to Miss Barbara Blunt and Courtney Coco. 
and you can download Love You Enough by Tom Play on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your music from. And I'm your host, Woody Overton, my co-host, Jim the Hitman Raffman. And until next time, or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace. Your smile, that's what I'm gonna miss More than anything else out of all this The little jokes only you and I would get You were the one that I would lean on Guess I never thought you would be gone Losing you is a lot to face alone I don't wanna walk away But I don't have a choice, it seems All I really want to know is why If I could have one more day If I could have one last say If I could have one more tender touch If I could have one more moment I'd give you everything you Find a friend anywhere I turn around and you were there I should have told you how much I cared If I lost my way on a dark night I'd run to you like a nightlight I miss your soul, I miss your shine I know I gotta let you go But I want you back so much I never had a chance to say goodbye If I could have one more day If I could have one last say If I could have one more tender touch Ooh If I could have one more moment I'd give you everything you I didn't love you enough